Let's just hit record because who wants to? We don't want to miss any seconds of this. Audio gold. Yeah. Um, when was it? Probably in the spring, maybe, where Fred and I were having this conversation about it. You know, almost everyone we know has COVID except for us. Mm. Well, now the circle is complete. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the other side of the line. We're now. on the other because Fred got it at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame trip. And I went to uh, Europe, and uh, I came back with COVID. Yeah. And Both what about you? France. Did you ever? Did you ever test yourself? Where? Before this? No, sir. Because you were since, sick since you were back. Because you were sick in Europe as well. Yeah, tested, tested positive, and then uh, tested negative, tested positive, and then now I'm negative again. How long were you positive? That's a short period of time. I think the test was not right, or oh. done right or properly. But yeah, it just based, you know, because the way, you know, a little line in the bottom was let's just a very faint thing for <laughs> not mine. Test. You know, no, yours was like, very <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if you do your research, it, it doesn't matter. A line is a line is a line. Well, funny you yeah. say that because I sent a picture to uh, COVID master Steve, my brother, Edmonton Steve, who's right now Victoria Steve. And he said his theory was because my testing lines were still so vivid that he said it's you're probably still right in the middle of it because as you're as it was as he said as you're as it fades it'll as you get better it will start to fade until it's your viral load thank you dan <laughs> oh no i understand that but the when you read about it it says if there's any line like you're dealing with it it's not like oh well i'm okay now you got to wait till that thing's gone right yeah, yeah. But it's still, if, if you have a, a stronger line from what I've read, is that the viral load is stronger when you're, uh, when the line is as strong as Howard's is. Very strong. They got a very, they got a very the strong very load. Strong in the- <laughs> very strong. The COVID is strong in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what to say. I, You know what? I was just saying to Freddie that, yeah, it was a drag that it happened, but it really was, other than a few days of like a really sharp sore throat i spent 10 hours a day in paris running around that city with this what felt like just a you know pretty bad cold but it didn't stop me i wore a mask and i took this uh french version of like daytime tylenol and i was fine yeah um interesting isn't it like i had it and i guess at the peak my line was pretty red and i never had a sore throat Never had a runny nose. All I had was upper chest congestion. It's interesting how it affects different people. I My throat never hurt at all. And no headache? No. I had a little pressure on the sides, just upper cheeks. It was weird. That was it. Dude, I still had a headache last night. Like a pr- Not a terrible one, but I, you know, the, I took some some Tylenol at bedtime, but you know, I never had anything in my chest. I never really had a cough. I never had any, much congestion, but as you can still hear, it just sounds like I have a cold. Yeah. Yes. But then again, I'm a specimen, eh? So I can fight this shit off. Yeah, all good. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How about Darren? What was his... His symptoms were closer to mine, I think. Yes. His lingered for a while. And he and his symptoms were much more um, severe. I'll use the word severe uh, than mine. Yes. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, if I hadn't been on vacation, and this was prior to going to Lumbee's, uh, 
there were uh, probably probably the second full day there i would have just wanted to i i it would have been better for me maybe to excuse me stay in bed but uh like i said i i had we had a lot of stuff to do and for the most part i was able to do it without too much discomfort um but it's interesting because a year ago when i was in europe it would have been a lot more like if i had tested had gotten sick in europe like i was Mm -hmm. this week i wouldn't have been home i would have had to stay there for 14 days and probably so would you dan yeah, probably. Yeah, I would have just. What about well, there was? Hmm? Go ahead. There was at least two days that I had that uh, that I was down. Like one a separate days that I was just really, really exhausted and just couldn't, you know, move. But so, where do you guys think you got it? That is Can a you... great question. Because you know, I was going to ask you about the plane, like flying down to New Orleans. Delise and I, we went through Nexus, of course, the greatest thing ever. Um, so we weren't around a lot of people on the plane. Very few. I wore a mask on behalf of my wife. I wouldn't have otherwise, probably. But I did because it made her feel more secure. There was maybe three or four other people on the plane. Coming back, same thing, maybe three or four others in a full plane. It was a small plane. But still, people packed in there. Very few masks. New Orleans, very few masks anywhere. Um, she didn't get it yet. And I'm just wondering, what, where would you, maybe you guys have got it? Well, I, I, have a, I have a theory, but go ahead, Dan. Where do you think you got it from? Uh, I, I got it somewhere in France. And it was either in Paris, because uh, I was masking whenever there was a crowd around in Paris. But I was, you know, on the, the Paris metro subway system there. I was just, uh, there was a, a bunch of times when, when there was just jammed full of people. And that, that really got me kind of worried and tense and so maybe there was an incubation time there but it was like the last day at lumbies when i sort of had that one thing at the back of the throat the scratchiness yeah the yeah yeah which i thought was just a cold yep so did i the oncoming of a cold the week before i left i was at events monday tuesday and wednesday with groups of people and i Mm -hmm. you know it's funny i said to myself wouldn't it just be my luck after all this time of being COVID free at one of these functions, you know, I pick up something because none of the things I was at were masked events. But like you, Fred, I was in a mask in the entire airport experience. <laughs> I'm talking about in the concourse before the plane. And just like you described, then these were big international flights. There might have been maybe 5%. And the demographic of all the people wearing masks were the following. Older people, Asians. I miss, uh, and that's not a racial stereotype. That's just oh, an obs- Yes, it is. How it's, can you say that Asians were wearing masks? Well, because they seem to be from an Asian country. Oh, what, why would you even <laughs> notice, Howard, that they were Asian? Come on. Here's what they weren't. They weren't because they, they weren't intolerant. They, they weren't in my category. Mm. <laughs> old old people that like Asian food. <laughs> By the way, the first thing I ordered yesterday when I got home was dim sum. I was craving it. Oh, really? Because I, I love Chinese food so much. Yeah. Um, isn't that? It's interesting too. We talk about our own personal invincibilities within our minds. When you do, yeah. When you think you have it, you do that test. When you walk up to it and see that you actually have it, that <laughs> no, sinking feeling, like yeah. what? I've got it. Me, I, <laughs> me. I can't have COVID. That's other people get COVID. Oh, 
You know, I wasn't going to test myself because I thought, well, what's the point now? I'm home. I did all that stuff, and I gave my host plenty of, you know, I, I uh, gave Jeff and Julie, our hosts in uh, the south of France, plenty of notice and said, listen, I'm not feeling well. Um, mm-hmm. I even said, and, and so when I came into the kitchen yesterday, I thought, okay, I've got all the Sobeys tests. And just as you described, part of me thought, I probably didn't have it. That was just a bad cold, Howard. Even though yeah. every symptom I described to anyone, including you, were symptoms of COVID. And when I here's the thing: you're supposed to wait 15 minutes for that those lines to form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine were literally jumping off the thing. It was just, it was like it almost like, dude, you've got so much COVID. <laughs> you're like, you've got a COVID enough. despair. <laughs> That's it. That's what I thought. I thought I've got COVID for two people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, I got to so I, I sent a note to Jeff Lumby, our dear friend this morning. I said, hey, buddy, uh, turns out I have COVID, which we all suspected. Hope you guys feel well and continue to do so. And he said, uh, thanks for the update. Uh, just on a beautiful walk, which they, and Dan and I will tell you, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And here's what Jeff said. He said, but even if I get COVID, it was worth seeing you. Isn't that a nice? Isn't that nice? Wow. Can you imagine? Meanwhile, he got off the computer, went into Julie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Comes over here, now I'm going to be sick. Fuck. Did you not hear him say he was on a beautiful walk? <laughs> that calms his brain. Yeah, but Freddie's uh, right. You know, we, we get back to my original conversation about how, you know, for the longest time, you and I were having this uh, discussion about how the only people were, were down to just you and I and Dan <laughs> didn't get COVID. <laughs> and now we got the hat trick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I talk about, you know, your heart sinking. I'm reading these reports that, you know, they're not reporting the numbers like they used to, obviously, but how they're just slowly inching up, inching up, inching up. And now the, Emergency rooms are just getting a little bit too much pressure on them, and uh, you know the um, the percentage of uh, positives are going up each week, and just where we're going with this now, when everybody you know gets back indoors, I don't know. I don't know. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I can tell you one year's uh, uh, perspective is so, like I mentioned, I was, I, I was where Dan was a year ago. I was in Venice for a few days and in Florence visiting our friend, uh, you know, Tim Daniels. And, and had I come down with these symptoms, you know, life would have been a lot different. And, and even now coming home, as you just did, coming home to Canada, no arrive Canada app, no, you know, the... The mm-hmm. process, you know, and I didn't, I have Nexus, and, and by the way, you have Nexus because I have it, and I have it because of ex-girlfriend Rachel. Right. Because the first time she traveled with me, we were going to the States somewhere, and she, she said, well, I'm going to get into this line, I have Nexus. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell Gone. me that isn't, like, just, let's just put a pin in that for a second. Tell me how great that is. You just well, sail through. To the point where I don't even want to talk about it, because I don't want <laughs> Because I don't want people to go out and get it. It's like the flank. It's like the flank steak of traveling. That's right, the hanger steak. Yeah, don't yeah. get Nexus. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, because I've never we, had Nexus. What do you do? You just go through. There's a oh, special Dan, line. Right. You, oh, Dan. And the thing is, going through when you stand in front of that thing, it didn't take our pictures for some reason. 
So we just had to continue on. But even that wasn't much of an issue because there was nobody there in the lineup. And then, you know, the customs officer just said, look in this camera. And we did and everything was fine. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. And with, with carry on and Nexus, it's like I'm pinching myself. It's like I'm at the gate and I got all this time. And it was, it was just so painless. Yeah, it's pretty coming home. Although I will say coming home too with Air Canada, uh, the actual, the, the normal customs area, there was hardly anybody in it. Right. Um, but I still use Nexus and it was fantastic. Now you, you just hit on something too. Like I just did 10 days there just carry on and a computer bag and uh i just looked back at because uh, when i got off the plane i was texting the kids let them know i'd landed our plane landed at three forty-four p.m toronto time i was in the cab so no i just had carry on no nexus but just the just the way i the way i just r- sort of got off the plane early got through very quickly i was in the cab at 10 minutes after four i was here in the house by uh you know four thirty. it was crazy just the carry-on aspect. And those people who got off an international flight waiting for their luggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the flight, the airport was... Um, the only thing is, I was we were on Air Canada Express, so it's a small plane. Jesus Christ. When we landed in <laughs> Toronto, we actually came down the ramp outside. Oh, yeah. And then into this long makeshift tunnel forever. The walk to customs was... Mm, yeah. Like, seriously, an older person or someone with some level of disability, and I'm talking mild, somebody with a bad knee, like, because I can't, couldn't even see where they could get a golf cart in there. It was weird. But I guess they make those provisions. But the experience, the flight experience, the uh, airport experience was was fine from my perspective. Both on the way there, we had a four-hour delay. I don't know if I did. I didn't tell you guys this story. So we get on the plane, four-hour delay, to the point where we get on the plane we're supposed to take off at 7.30, and it's, you know, quarter to seven. We're sitting there, and uh, seven o'clock comes. Uh, I say, well, I'll start watching a movie. And I'm watching a movie, and I'm really, I sort of get absorbed in the story. And about 15, 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, wait a second. We should be, mm-hmm. we should be take, you know, getting ready to take off. And the pilot comes on and said, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're just doing something, something paperwork. And I'm like, okay. Ten more minutes of the movie go by. And then a guy... Uh, from the ground crew gets on he's got a uh, the the vest on and i say to randy ex-wife randy i say okay well this is more than paperwork because the pilot doesn't need that guy to come on and start looking around the plane sure enough half hour later eight o'clock yeah ladies and gentlemen we're, we're gonna have to get you off this plane we have to leave the plane and which is pretty good I mean, better than sitting on the plane all that time. Yeah, but at that point, they're like, we have to go get another plane. And I'm like, okay. Mm. So they don't get another plane. They spend the next three hours fixing something. And then finally, they call us back onto the plane, and we take off at midnight Toronto time now instead of 7.30, which actually worked out great because I was able to go to sleep and sleep overnight. On the way home... The first thing I wake up yesterday morning, Air Canada, there's a delay in the flight home, but it's only about 20 minutes. It turned out to be an hour and 20 minutes. No big deal. But we get on the plane yesterday, and the first thing they tell us is that there's no entertainment system. No. (laughs) No fucking people. No You know, people, 
It's funny what you get. It's that Louis C.K. thing. It's not amazing enough to get on a tube in the sky and cross the Atlantic where a hundred years ago it would have taken us a month and half of us would die. That's not enough for people. We have to be able to watch, you know, some fucking movie. Oh, yeah. People were losing their shit there for a while. Well, what was the system? Screens in the back of the seats? Or yeah. was it not just yeah, yeah, yeah. All done the, through Wi-Fi on your own device? No, no. All oh. their, their in-flight <clears throat> entertainment system was down. In a situation like that, they should roll down the aisle with a uh, bookmobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you I wish I or, or, or sleeping pills. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I happen to have about I don't know half a dozen Mark Marin episodes. I had some other stuff that I had downloaded in my Spotify, and I just listened to podcasts and slept and and I did say to the because the main lady the, when the they called them the in charge came through the cabin and said, "Is there something I can do?" And I just said, "Well, can we?" Because you could connect to their Wi-Fi, but it's 40 bucks. And I said, is there any way to, you know, give us all free Wi-Fi for the trip? And she yeah. said, sir, I, I'd love to, but there's just no way. She said, what you could do is, you know, pay for it and then try and submit that as a... And I went, no, that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> good luck, with, good luck with, that. with that, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I have no trouble sleeping on a plane. And neither I'll, did I. The way to New Orleans... Maybe 20 minutes into the flight, I fell asleep and woke up with about a half hour to go. Same thing coming home. Yeah. I don't know what it is about those things. Oh, man. I just get into a deep sleep, and, and my neck doesn't hurt when I wake up or anything. I, I, was, I, couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it coming home. We were hardly in the air, and I fell asleep. And then when I wake up, the plane's sort of on that decline thing, yeah. and it's Wow, this is okay. Well, you're like a big giant baby getting rocked to sleep. But, wow. you know, the flight home, listen, the flight there because of the jet stream is a seven hour flight. Coming home, it was eight hours and 45 minutes, dude. It's a long right. flight, but I slept yeah. two different times. I had great sleeps, actually. And I paid for a premium economy, which is the best way to go. What's that mean? It's, it's that, you know, so you walk onto the international planes and there's the pod people. They're the people right. in first class that are in those little space pods. The mm-hmm. next one over, the next one down, I guess would be like the old business class. And it's not that, you know, it's more, but it's not that much more. It's not, it's not business class seats, but it's a bit more room and they give you like a decent meal. And is there a curtain between you and the poor people? Cause I'd want, if I paid extra, <laughs> funny I'd there. say to the, I would, I would continuously say to the, you know, flight attendant, please pull that curtain. I do well, the funny thing is, I do not want to yeah. look at those people. There wasn't, there wasn't, but I got a few of the people in our section to give me their jackets, and I put it up there in a mix. Yeah. <laughs> that always kills me. They pull the curtain like, oh, yeah. I you don't, can't go here. You don't want to have to look at those people. You know, it's funny what we observe. Like there was a guy. So we're in this premium premium economy area, and uh, you know, it was pretty nice weather or whatever. But it's not flip flop weather. And there was a, a guy about our age just hanging out the entire flight with his foot out, like his bare feet. Oh, huh? nice. yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, big bare feet. Ooh. I know. And I, I don't know why I couldn't stop looking. I'm like, put that away. <laughs> and, and he was about four or five rows ahead of me, so I didn't realize it wasn't part of it. But I just kept looking at him, and he would like be playing with his foot and touching his toes and... Just Picking handling nails and touches his toe with his feet with hands. Hand. He walks. Well, he crossed his legs and he would like hold his foot and stuff. You know, was, uh, oh. 
I know. Did he have it out in the aisle like you could trip on it type thing? Uh, no, but I could see he was in the aisle seat. I could see him okay. there with his big foot. Uh, my observation in New Orleans, I said to Dahl many times, I said, look around all the people, you know, because school's back and everything. All the tourists are people just like us. Yeah. Like 60 something like couples, you know, like us holding hands and walking and looking around. And yeah, and I <laughs> that, that's us. We're them. <laughs> I, I so totally didn't, get it, didn't, man. Uh, bear her breasts for beads or anything? And no, no, but Fred did. No. Yeah, I did. You know, yeah. he didn't get as many beads as he once would have. I'll tell you, in New Orleans, the the locals hate beads because they're not number one. They buy them in Taiwan, which pisses them off because they think they should be made in Louisiana. Number one, but number two, everywhere you look, they're hanging in trees and off power lines and everything, and. They start to fade and look disgusting. They're not environmentally friendly. They're not good for birds. On and on and on. They, the locals would like to see the bead thing come to an end. Hmm. A bead ban. Mm-hmm. Which surprised me was a little tidbit of info that I came away with. It is interesting, too, though, getting back to the fact that we're so, we so need to be entertained that mm-hmm. we can't just, like read a book or you know as you say you know just have a little rest or whatever and and yeah for a few minutes there it got it got a bit tense when they announced that uh, just before we closed the door that we're not going to have any entertainment and oh yeah it was a frantic struggle for humanity <laughs> so. um, where we stayed in new orleans was beautiful it really was nice beautiful restaurants across the street we were in this real cool sort of warehouse renovated thing it was really really nice but just kitty corner in a bus, a sheltered bus stop, this woman for two or three days decided to take up shop. That would be her home. So there was two suitcases and then all this fast food stuff. But she more or less took over the whole thing and nobody cared. Everybody stood outside. It was waiting for a bus. But her thing, she was one of these people that if you looked at her the wrong way, she'd start screaming and swearing at you. Nice. So it was unbelievable. Like. You're walking down the street, and then all of a sudden you hear this woman at the top of her lungs, like, just screaming at somebody because they looked at her or they're walking the wrong way or whatever. And then even inside the hotel or the condo, a couple of times I opened the window, and every so often you would just hear her go off on somebody. And I, I'm sorry I felt bad for her, but it was funny. Many times I just started laughing because it was... This is a bus shelter lady? Yeah, the bus shelter yeah. lady. And, and vile stuff, like... Oh, yeah. With something like Kanye vile or just regular vile? No, no, not, no, not, no, just fuck you. you. Look at that. Fuck off. What are you looking at? Well, I don't, I don't have quite the same story of vileness, but, you know, we get this beautiful apartment, you know, just near the, uh, middle of my I, I would i would i would describe where we were in paris but it's near uh the garden uh, luxembourg garden so it's quite central and it was a beautiful old all the that's one thing about paris there are no homes in paris it's a 2.1 million people live in the city of paris and there are only 13 <clears throat> excuse me thirteen thousand actual like standalone homes like you live in like a detached home yeah the the rest are apartments and there are these and 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 how they were all made that's why they all look so uniform there anyway we're in this beautiful old apartment and you know it's a beautiful weather and it's lovely time but every afternoon between five and about seven thirty 
in the apartment right above ours. Some guy started playing piano. Oh. And, and decent. Not like a plinky, blinky, blanky. Like decent. But still, after the first, like, I, we were sort of like, oh, this is quaint. This is cool. He's practicing, and he's quite high level, Dan. But by night three, <laughs> that's when, okay, I admit it, I started knocking on shit. Like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. With like a broom on the ceiling? No, just, I just or? banged on the wall a couple times. Didn't stop him, but it made me feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you go out on the balcony and yell, maybe? No, but I did go on the balcony because we were right around like a little courtyard and someone came through and I said, do you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, the funny thing is, because the way the apartment was structured, he'd never heard it because he lives on the other side of it. He just happened to right. be walking through the courtyard. He's like, no, I've never heard that before. I'm like, well, you're lucky. Because <laughs> <laughs> it never stops. Oh, yeah. Dan, in Venice, did you take a gondola ride? Uh, yeah, a quick one across uh, wherever it was. Can't remember. It was a real fast one. There was the one I think you. T- I told about you about Dan. Where, yeah, where you, yeah. you just? It's like almost like uh, it's a, across one canal, and it's all the gondola ride you need for uh, yeah, a couple of euros. Totally fine. Yeah, you go on yeah. for forty-five seconds. It's more of a uh, what do you, you know? It's, it's like a water taxi, almost, right? Exactly. You don't want to walk all the way around, and it's the only way to go. And it you know it takes five minutes to get across there, and it's great. Yeah. Did you go? Did you go and see the glass blowing at all? Did uh, there at was, Murano, there was a Sunday yep. at Murano, uh, but there was nobody blowing on on a Sunday. We didn't think about that, so we saw all kinds <laughs> of great glass. Had a had a lovely uh, meal along the canal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nobody was blowing. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> we could go off on that for ten No, no. What's that, Freddie? Did you go off yeah. on? <laughs> Hmm? Well, Freddie, what did you say? Did you go off? We could go off on 10 or 15 minutes on that. No, no. Yeah. Well, I did. You know, it's funny. So we did the hop on hop off bus tour. uh, The first full day we were there, we got there Friday morning. So Saturday, that was our day. And as we're in Paris and as we're going to. Like we're right off uh, St. St. Michel or no, what is it? St. Germain. But uh, we were also, so where we were also near the Sorbonne or the Sorboner, if you guys would like it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we're coming along and we see the bus, the back of the bus that we're about to hop on. And right. it was that billboard of this beautiful, beautiful woman with an advertisement for Fred. Right. And that picture of her was all over Paris. So right. I start sending texts to people. Oh, look. He's everywhere. So and then I saw a pic. Then I took a picture of the Eiffel Tower, and that was a big giant boner. And I said, "Look, yeah. it's Dan and Fred, and they're everywhere." <laughs> and that was kind of funny, you know. Yeah, uh, Howard in um, in New Orleans, I saw a teacher a T-shirt that I wanted to buy for Dan, but I thought before I spend twenty five bucks, I'm going to call him and ask him if he'd wear it, right? And it was a T-shirt, and it said the man with an arrow pointing up. And then the legend with an arrow pointing down, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I said, would you wear there? No, I would not wear that. And Delise, she called and she says, of course he's not. He's not the type he's going to wear that. But then again, I wouldn't wear that either. Yeah. But anyway, as soon as I thought I saw it, I thought of Dan. It was great. Yeah. Well, and I also, Dan, ass. you never responded, but I also sent you something. It was like Dan something Duran. It wasn't quite Dan Duran, but it yes, was some French that, version yeah. of Dan uh-huh. something Duran. So that's, I sent that to you. I must have missed that. I sent a picture of the uh, Venus de Milo to my golf buddy saying, you know, I uh, met this chick today. 
not, you know, no arms, not great for golf or blowjobs or hand jobs. No hand jobs. So <laughs> hand I mean, that job. was a fun yeah. little yeah. bit that That's I fun. did. Yeah. Very good. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it, you know, I, again, I know you guys, well, Dan, Dan has it, but Fred had been to Paris. I, I, you know, that old stereotype about the French in general, about how they were rude. Well, you know, that came from Americans who are, you know, the reason they rude. thought they're right. French, who are, you know, who want to go everywhere and have just it be like America. So, of course, the French were yeah. rude to them. But I will tell you, and I speak limited French, but man. In Paris, biggest city, you know, like a big, big city. Couldn't have been nicer. Every waiter, every interaction we had, everyone was just really nice. And and they always appreciated my stupid French that I can speak. And Mm -hmm. like just really sweet people. Did it always come up that you were from Canada in some way? It it would come up because I would offer it. Just be Canadian because my our accents are sort of so flat and similar that uh, right. I wanted them to know. I wanted them to know I wasn't American. Did I make this point on the special edition last week that in in Louisiana, I saw no political stuff. No, like in Florida, you see the big trucks with the tires and the gun racks and the American flags in the back and the goobers with the, you know, uh, fuck Biden shit all over their stuff. None of that. In Louisiana, didn't see any of it. Didn't see one Trump T-shirt. Didn't see one goober Yahoo truck. None of it. Now I know they have a Democrat governor, and I guess I guess you know I'm speaking out of complete knowledge here that it's a a blue state. Yeah, I was going to ask you I, that. I would get that impression because honestly there was none of it none 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 anywhere and it was very refreshing i thought oh these be it's nice to be around normal people because in florida it was some it was sort of disturbing because they were all all the same too yeah i i think my you know you did mention it and i wanted to ask because I, I i don't know if i asked you that if it's a blue state but um one thing i do notice of course when you're in europe and maybe you did too dan that the day-to-day frenzy of the american political landscape isn't much of the conversation yeah no i didn't notice that at all except for lumpy but yeah and even jeff and i like Mm. you know you know that that was a completely different experience being at jeff's you know it was four days for us in the big city and you know we did all the things you're you know the all the paris stuff you know we did the tower we did the arch we did the river we did the museum we did yeah but but you you know what did you see the mona lisa Yes. Well, so I saw the Mona Lisa and I saw the Venus de Milo. And for the rest of the time, we were only there for a couple hours. It's, a, it's just so much. You know, we saw the, the pyramid outside of the Louvre yep. and all that stuff. You know, what's weird, though. And I don't know if you noticed this or if they had it the last time you were there, Fred. But a lot of the historic buildings in Paris have been taken over. In part, some of them are like these big fashion billboards, like at the Louvre. Mm. I'm not sure if it's Gucci or Chanel, but one huge part of the wall on the outside of the uh, building is taken over by a, you know, a, a classy looking billboard. But it's basically a synthetic material affixed to the building. It's just weird. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Those, uh, Yeah. Uh, you think at first it's part of the building. And yes. You look at it. It's it's a, it's an actual skin. that. Yeah. That, it's like having like a wrap on your car, right? They just wrap yeah, the building yeah. and. I found that a bit odd, but you know, 
you know, we did all those things. And I know they're the stupid touristy things, but I'd never been there and I wanted to do that. I wanted to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower and we took the tower tour and we had a couple hours of this guy, this be- a, a woman from the States who had moved there basically to learn to speak French and she was great. Mm-hmm. You know, learned when you all saw about- the Mona Lisa, did you, did you find that it was small? Did you think it was smaller than you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, mm. can, well, it is small compared to the size and scale of even in that room that she's in. If on the opposite wall, I, I can't even describe how. There's one picture on the opposite wall of that room that it's an. Mm. It, I, it was that one actually was more impressive. Like, how do you paint that? Because it's the size of a house. Right. I know. It just blew me away the size of the Mona Lisa, and just thinking, why, why that? You know, like. <laughs> Of all the paintings in a produced in a day, even by famous people, why that one? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I will say this. What about this, Venus this. De Milo? Was, well, hang was on that? a second, because yeah. the funny thing is, like, so Ray, you know, I'm in there. By the way, I will talk later. I mean, this week, we'll you can ask about traveling with my ex-wife, which was just so much fun. Like, just you know, I think I said this on the podcast. Like, all the aggravation of marriage without any of the benefits, but there—that's not true. There were benefits. Oh, I mean, in terms of just the way we get along and how great she is to, you know, just so much fun to be around. But I was making, because I, I have a, just like you with Doll, I've been making Randy laugh in a particular way for a long time. I know what, I know what her sense of humor is, mm-hmm. but I was doing, you know, so there's a guy. So you, you go into this big room and there's, you know, hundreds of people waiting to take, everyone's taking a picture of the Mona Lisa and you wait your turn. And as you get closer to the front and we're going up to the front and at first I didn't see him, but when you get closer to the front, so she's over here and to her right, looking to my left is a young guy, probably early twenties sitting on a stool, manning the velvet rope, making sure no one crosses it and gets any closer than you're supposed to. And I said to Randy, I said, this this is that guy's job. He's eight hours a day. He is so, like, we're all, like, we've come from all over the world, and that guy's like, ah, Mona Lisa, Mona Shmisa, who <laughs> <Yeah>, gives a <laughs> yeah. shit? I'm so sick of the Mona. That's what he does. He sits next to the Mona Lisa right. all day. He's like, you can't somebody steal this bastard? Please. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. I'm so sick to death of this painting. And we're all giving people, oh, you know, let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and the people all their selfies taking them picture oh look and I don't understand like okay it's not just enough for you to take a picture of the Mona Lisa mm. as proof you were there but right. you have to take a picture of yourself next to the Mona Lisa was this Asian people you're talking about they <laughs> <laughs> see that's racist mm. okay well I was just wondering as you made a point of that earlier <laughs> I did yeah yeah uh, yes, I just said there's all the only people wearing masks were people our age and people from the lands of Asia. Mm-hmm. I had one dozen oysters down there at 20 bucks U.S. So what's that? 27 or something now? The dollar's just ridiculous when you're in the United States right now. And prices are just as crazy there as they are here. Mm-hmm. But they were good. Because this tour guide said, oh, well, the oysters are good right now, man, because they get them out of the bay right there, or the gulf. And they were good. They were plump and tasty. And But again, I, I was surprised. I mean, they're right from here, and they're 20 U.S. for a, for a dozen. Surprised me. Mm-hmm. Did that's you like, the way of the world. Did you like the food, uh, Dan, in uh, Italy and France? Did you enjoy it? Didn't have a bad meal. Yeah. 
did not have a bad meal there. You know, all, all of them were like, I don't know, maybe because when you're traveling, you're ready to savor things a little bit more than you are, you know, in a regular meal here in your hometown. But every yeah. single restaurant we went to, there was different flavors and just the way they do them. You know, the French, mm-hmm. the, like all the Lumbee, the places that Lumbee took us were fantastic. Was the lighting okay for you? The lighting was fantastic. Are you sure, they, though? You know, they, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Because <laughs> we way. know you're very specific about how things are set very up. Very specific. Yeah. And you know what? They care about stuff like that there. I find. Um, I would agree. I was telling Freddie that uh, part of the reason everyone's so skinny certainly in Lumbee's area, is the way they eat is, as we've described, you know, there's that European style where we would go out for lunch, you know, they'd start serving at noon, and we'd be wrapping up around two. Like, every lunch took two and a half hours, two hours, 20, whatever. Every dinner, the same. And they do this thing, not only is it, it's more leisurely, the way they serve, it's more leisurely, and they're not rushing to bring you everything right away, and, but they, I observe this, and, I, and they do this, they don't clear the table right away. You know, they they uh, they assume you're going to be lingering and they're not coming there to rush you on to the next course. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that alone, it's almost like, you know, I ate great food, you know, except for the steaks. The steaks are horrible. Um, we had a good one with Jeff, but I had one the first night I was there at this uh, neat little restaurant and, uh, you know, the steak and fritz. And it's, as Jeff described, it's just very chewy meat. But the style of eating is what I think keeps people a little less. Uh, it's not just all you know, big, goofy, you know, gooey piles of uh, carbohydrates. And where were you? Were there's a lot more walking involved? Oh my god, yeah. What was your, What do you think your maximum day was? Ten, uh, we, were doing, we were doing we were doing ten thousand steps a day in Paris minimum every day. Yeah, we were, we were around fourteen to fifteen. <laughs> You know, the thing is about New Orleans, you can get, well, I, I, you know, maybe Paris. No, probably not. Paris would be bigger, I guess, than New Orleans. But New Orleans is a very walkable city. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as all-encompassing, like, you can go from the warehouse district, the garden district, and walk to any of the other districts in within a half an hour. So, in any given day, like, you can, on foot, cover that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been there before, though, right? Did you do that? You, this is not your first time. You do the Cafe Du Monde, the beignets, and all that. Yeah, the beignets. I, I don't know. I don't. It's all just doughy with sugar on it. Not big on them. Yeah. The, the ones at Cafe uh, Cafe Du Monde, where I didn't like them at all, the beignets, and then the place just under us um, had sort of hollow ones, which I could sort of take. But the other ones were just like really doughy donut things i i'm not big on that i, I like the uh, we, we were having breakfast right around the corner from our apartment the first day and then we were ordered an omelet and the guy said uh in french he said to randy okay go i'm just gonna it's just gonna be a few extra minutes because i'm just finishing baking the bread and i'm like yeah yeah i'll wait for that mm-hmm. and and he uh brought the omelet omelet with this freshly baked not quite a baguette, but something like that. And man, it was good. Like I ate bread. Oh, yeah. I ate more bread in the last right. eight days than I have in months. It's just every meal I had bread. I had croissant for breakfast. And oh, croissant. <laughs> One thing you learn too, eh, about carbohydrates and bread and withdrawals. Like same here. We had the beignets, and I had a lot of bread down there. So I came home on Saturday, and I thought I'm laying off the bread. And it's like my the past two days. It's like my body's just screaming for it. Like, it's weird. And it takes a few days to sort of get through that. But, man. 
it's a different. I don't know. I, it, it's a to me, it's a bit of a struggle. I, well, it's funny because I I'm, I found that while I was there, I was a bit gassy <laughs> because of all the all the carbs. Because now I realize carbs make me gassy. Were you uh, farting a lot? Then? I was farting a lot. In you French. have a condition. You have a condition. I, but that's because I have a condition. Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we start the show? All right, because this is this all this has been here. All this has been great, but this is just pre-show. This is just <laughs> us catching up with everybody. Hi, I'm even welcomed everyone to the show. All right, here we go. Here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy Toronto, picturesque Peterborough, and a man cave in Brampton. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Inventures, and our new sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two men who have traveled the world and are just happy to be home. Until the first flake of snow and travel will be fun again, it's Humble and Fred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, just hang around here a second, Dan. Oh, Dan's gone. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, hey, you were saying about the carbohydrates. You know what? I was going to say, yeah. they, I think the, the way they make their bread, Jeff and I are dear friend. Went to yes, two days ago. Uh, I was up every morning, by the way, watching the sun come up over this valley that he lives in. It's stunning. I, I got a couple pictures I'll send you, although, you know, we've all seen pictures, but it's just the view from his place. In, right, in 10 minutes, we get in his little car. 10 minutes later, we're at a bakery, a boulangerie, and they're, they've just made these croissants. So I don't know... They're just, why are they better? Because they're made locally. The water's different. I don't know. But they were great. I, I, I haven't had a croissant. I can't remember the last time I would even think of having one, but I had one every day. Right. Well, they're probably just all made so natural and, you know, the ones you buy here in the grocery store. But to your point about craving carbs, like, mm. yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Like, you know, and the way, as I mentioned, the way they eat and the way that Jeff and Julie have adopted eating, even when we ate at their home, it, you know, it just, it, we just lingered longer. It just wasn't a wolf. And you and I are the same that way. Even, you know, I was obviously the first one done. But after a few days, I started to even, I was slowing down a little bit because it was becoming apparent that I was eating faster than everybody. So dinner at Lumbee's, what would that be? Like, what would they prepare um, in French home, so to speak? Well... We we only ate dinner at their home a couple of times, but one night we had pizza night and uh, just, you know, they went and got some fresh pizzas from the local market and nice. it was really good. And uh, I'm just trying to remember the first night. Oh, no, first night, Jeff barbecued some salmon. And mm-hmm. but the, the you know, it's funny because there's French cooking, which is, you know, a cuisine and there's the way French, the French cook food, even normal food, the way they make a hamburger or the way they make whatever. But uh, I didn't have, I didn't, my, I had one meal that wasn't that great, to be honest with you. It was uh, not at Jeff's, it was in Paris, and it was at this place that Randy had found with, it was beautiful. It was like a 55-floor building that looked over the, the Eiffel Tower, so the view was stunning. But right. I, I found it overpriced, and it was one of those, it was like being, I'll tell you what it was, it was like being at the top of the CN Tower. You know, it was a yeah. novel, it was novel yeah. to see the view, but the food was kind of like, it wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. It was expensive, and... Just so so, yeah, yeah. We had pretty good meals uh, again, jambalaya and 
you know, red beans and rice was good. What was the beer you were drinking down there? Uh, there was a local one there, a lager, which I liked. I can't remember the name of it off the top. But uh, like Bourbon Street, Canal Street, if you pop into the little pubs along the way, like everything else, right? It's you used to be able to go down there. Okay, and this is 15 years ago, but a lot of the guys had their stuff set out set up out front so like for a buck and a half you could get a a glass of draft i didn't see any of those mm-hmm. but when you popped into a place it was like seven bucks you asked for a glass of draft so if i i caught on quickly and then just started going into the grocery stores because you're allowed to walk around with beer there mm-hmm. so i would buy a beer there and then walk down like bourbon street and, uh, yeah, there's some local beers there. Nice. Like, you know, everywhere you go now, there's local beers. doesn't matter where you are in the world now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was good. It was a, a lager and fine. I had a, Jeff had bought some zero alcohol beer for me. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'll have to ask him again. I was going to say gravel, gravel something. But then he and I had uh, in a restaurant, um, he had the real uh, beer called Lef, L-E-F. It's a German beer. Okay. And he had the real beer. I had the near beer, the zero alcohol. And uh, you couldn't tell the difference. I thought it was great. One of the best I've had. Nice. I didn't have a bunch of it because, again, part of it was, you know, I was having this little bit of a sickness. Um, It did definitely affect my appetite. I I was going to give Darren a shout today, our buddy Darren, who had the COVID. Because a couple of days, I felt like my taste was a bit off. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a weird sensation when I, uh, there was a salad dressing that Jeff's wife made one night and I smelled it. It was like garlic and lemon and olive oil. And mm-hmm. it, it was weird because it didn't smell like it tasted to me, which I, I've never experienced that before. It was really strange. Mm-hmm. It tasted great. And it's, it's just, and it smelled fine. It just didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't line up somehow. And I think that was one of the early thoughts to my, when I thought, oh, I must have the bid. Yeah, this whole COVID thing and the vaccine, you know, I've said many times, attitude is everything. But you had said to me when you thought you had COVID that I'm glad I got the shots because it probably could have been a lot worse. Way worse. Yeah, which is true. And yet there are those that would counter with, oh, so you got all what, four shots and you still got COVID? Well, I'll still take my chances with the uh the, with the vaccine, thank you. Even though I've had six friends die from the shot. No, who hasn't? Mm-hmm. I've had six people <laughs> die just from the shot. Forget COVID. That's right. People that die of COVID, I've lost track. Streets are littered with people. Mm-hmm. Just, like you, my address book, half the people in my address book are dead gone. because of COVID. Yeah. Dude, I was stepping over corpses. COVID, yeah. I called them COVID corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, take a couple seconds here. And uh, well, you go, uh, you do what you have to do. I'm going to welcome a brand new sponsor here, which is always exciting at the Humble and Fred uh, shop. Well, let's start with a little sports. Buffalo Bills won last night, beat the Packers 27-17, one by 10. Uh, nice little victory for them. The lousy Leafs continue to be lousy, lose 4-3. Uh, was it an overtime last night to the worst team in the NHL? Very good, boys. Hey, way to go. Way to earn those dollars. Uh, tonight, it's uh, Monday Night Football. It's Cincinnati at Cleveland. The uh, the Bengals, a three-point pick. Minus 175, the over-under uh, 45 on that one. Of course, uh, for all your wagering needs, uh, go to Bodog. 
I mean, really, Bodog's been around since 1994, uh, providing Canadians with an unparalleled gaming experience. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. It's all there at Bodog. Since 1978, Kelsey's has been Canada's original roadhouse. And the, the I don't know, the, the, the I was going to say luck, but the... Uh, we're so happy to welcome new sponsors, and it's really cool when a, a company like Kelsey's invests in the Humble and Fred show. Inspired by the unhibited spirit of road tripping and the classic roadhouse, the rules are different at Kelsey's. It's where you go to eat what you want to eat, drink what you want to drink, and be who you want to be. Enjoy $6 buds at the Roadhouse for a limited time. Kelsey's has awesome game time appetizers, including their gigantic flat pan nachos, legendary spinach dip, and potato skins. And Freddie, for a limited yeah. time, come watch the game at Kelsey's and get a ticket for your chance to win one of over 500 NFL slash World Cup jerseys plus one VIP Super Bowl LVII. What is that? Uh, 52? I guess. Super Bowl 52 experience valued at $22,000. Promotion is on till December 18th. The more visits to Kelsey's, the more chances to win. Grab your buds and watch the game at Kelsey's, the original roadhouse, and join them for half price wings every Thursdays at Kelsey's. Actually, Freddie and I are going to be making a visit to Kelsey's over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to report back on the the buds and the and the wings and Mm-hmm. You'll be seeing it on our social media. And uh, once again, Humble and Fred uh, Radio, proud to welcome Kelsey's to the family. Appreciate yes. you guys hanging out with us for the month. Welcome. Welcome, yes. welcome. Fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, I've read a lot of stuff over the last couple of days because I, you know, especially yesterday when I didn't have any uh, anything to do waiting for the the flight. I was looking, you know, catching up on Twitter and all the nonsense. So, I mean, I, I'm... I, I'm okay if we can leave the Trump and the Elon Musk stuff to uh, another day. We can just kind of meander through the rest of the stuff that's going on in the world. Although it is pretty, it's interesting being back in North America. And you've traveled, you know, to Europe quite a bit. And it, there is something for the lifestyle that it provides in terms of, you know, just a different vibe in how people get involved in the world. They're very much more about uh, each other and, and right. You know. I mean, that's your takeaway. You, you wonder if you actually live there, would it, would it be different? Maybe they're as entrenched as we are, but I don't think so. You can, cause as you say, you can just feel it. Mm-hmm. It's not as frenzied. It's not as frenzied. And I'll tell you what, our boy Lumby, man, he has set himself up. Uh, you know, I know we did our little special broadcast and I don't know how many people heard it, but I would tell you, it was when he drove us down his driveway into this area that I've been basically only seeing and hearing about on Zoom for two years. And it was a bit overwhelming. I was, I was very, you know, happy for him. It's really quite something they've set up. And I was just watching how he navigates the world there in France. And it's not like some people speak English. It's like almost nobody speaks English. Mm-hmm. And, and his wife speaks beautiful French. But Jeff has Jeff's done really well, man. He's been taking French every week for a year. He's got a buddy that he hangs out on Sunday mornings with, an older dude that they have coffee and they just speak French. And I went with Jeff to the village a couple times and he negotiated everything in French. And it was pretty cool. You know, it's pretty neat mm-hmm. to see somebody 
embrace that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. What a great thing to do, have coffee with a guy on Sunday morning and speak only French. That would be a great way of, you know. I'm just practicing it, yeah. Getting around the language? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure, you know, that guy helps him every so often when he stumbles or makes mistakes obviously um so that was it you know and uh, i don't know like if it's weird i hadn't been to europe in a long time and then you know from 2016 to now that's five trips over there in seven years for me mm-hmm. and i just i just like i say i really like the vibe there i mean it's not easy and it's you know it's not cheap but it's certainly uh you know but again howard like cheap it's like Again, like, you know, this is about the fifth time I've said it. It's like being in New Orleans. It's menu prices are the same as they are here. Not that I go to a lot of restaurants, but when I go to restaurants, you know, you look at menus or you go online and if you're thinking about a restaurant, you look online and what you would pay for an entree here, you pay there, but you're talking over 30% now, a premium. And then, you know, it's, that's not cheap. (laughs) No. No, nope. you know it's actually cheaper here than it is there. Groceries too. It was it blew me away when we got you know we had a a kitchen at this place, so we went and stocked up on some groceries. And I again, I'm the guy. I go to Sobeys all the time in Metro, and I know what the stuff we buy costs, and it's no cheaper there in American dollars. It's and traditionally that that would often be your takeaway man stuff's cheaper down here mm-hmm. not anymore well and the, another the other thing about the way we like you and I are around the same age so you know we grew up in a world where you you know called a travel agent and they booked your flight and you know you would only stay in a hotel you know like i was i booked a flight myself we all i i haven't stayed in a non airbnb situation for quite some time even what you just mentioned made me think about it. Like, so we have this Airbnb in Paris and we, the first day we get, you know, we go and get some supplies and some things for the mm-hmm. house and just that being in a neighborhood and not having to be in a, like I was in a hotel the night before I came home because I, I mean, stayed near the airport, but even that experience, like, oh yeah, this is what hotels are like. It's, yes, you know, it's sort of stuffed, stuffy and you're in a room by yourself. And it was, you know, the windows don't open. Windows don't, don't open. open. No, a hundred percent. They don't. <clears throat> but what a different travel experience that is for people now. And I know that Airbnbs and v- VRBO and whatever, maybe it, it doesn't help the hotel I- industry, but mm-hmm. what a different way to see the world uh, by being in a neighborhood as opposed to being in a hotel room. Yeah. We were in, uh, yeah, we were in an old warehouse that has been turned into condos. The only thing about that concept is, you know, there was nice big windows in the living room, but just the way they're designed, um, you know, the bedroom didn't have any windows, which was fine, or the bathroom, um, but the vibe was great, you know, and in those situations now, they the way they handle the airflow and everything, it's fine, um, but it was cool, same thing, in a neat neighborhood, right across the street, two beautiful restaurants, just down a bit, of a local pub, and you know, and we got a real feel for the vibe because those restaurants across the street, they weren't really for tourists, they mm-hmm. were the locals, right? So you could, uh, when we saw how packed they were at night, it was like, oh, we got to eat there because obviously these are all people that have left work and having drinks or having dinner. And uh, yeah, it didn't disappoint. I'll tell you what else was uh, 
didn't disappoint. You know, Paris is a big city, although population-wise, smaller than Toronto. Um, and it's like New York. It's bustling. The Champs Elysees. We Elysees, whatever. The Champs Elysees, Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, we walked up and down that on the day before we went to the south of France for like four or five hours, and it's just teeming with people. And one of yeah. my buddies said, "What's it like there?" I said, "Everyone's a supermodel or a supermodel's mom." Like mm-hmm. my God, like just not only people from all over the world, yeah, but that that Parisian look that so many. <laughs> some really stunning human beings or and if it wasn't like a younger woman who was beautiful it was an older woman who was also beautiful right like either she used to be a supermodel or she's the mom of a supermodel like everyone was just very attractive you know Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i remember that from paris and the cities in in italy as well Mm mm-hmm there's a certain look right fashion and appearance mean mean a lot and they dress like sort of accordingly when we were in New Orleans, Dilly said, if I was 20 years younger, I'd have so much fun clothes shopping here. And I said, age is only a number, darling. Like, get something. And of course, she would, wouldn't hear of it. Well, I knew, but again, and your, wife, you, and your wife's like a, a supermodel mom. I mean, she's stunning. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. Um, but again, <laughs> over there, you get older women, but, you know, they dress accordingly. Yes. Like, they look they dress for the part, so to speak. And I know exactly what you're saying. Very impressive. Yeah, really nice. And, and uh, like, so we had done the Arch de Triomphe for the Arc de Triomphe, which is fascinating. You know, the fact that a Napoleon, you know, to celebrate victories and, and also the unknown soldier, the, the flame is there. And, mm-hmm. the, his, you know, that's probably the most, you know, other than the Louvre, which we were there, you know, mainly to see those two items. But, you know, the history of that. And then we just spent... The entire afternoon going down one side of that long street and up the other, stopping in for coffee. And then, you know, every once in a while, ex-wife Randy would go into a store and I'd just stand out there with the other dads. I'm, not, I'm sorry, the other husbands. Like, yeah. It's so funny. She went into some store and I just looked around. There was two other guys my age. And I'm like, you guys waiting for And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what we're here for. And it was great. You know, and I did that, too. And when I have to do that in Toronto or Brampton or Mississauga, I don't like it. It's like, oh, geez, come on, hurry up. But there... When you're somewhere else, I love it. I want her to be in one of those stores for a long time because I just like people watching. Yeah, me too. I love getting and getting the vibe. I told you that story, too. And again, the number one reason I didn't go into the World War Two Museum, which is supposed to be fantastic. The number one museum in New Orleans was because of my experience in in Cooperstown with the, you know, with the. the baseball hall of fame and that's where i got covid and delise hasn't had it yet so i didn't want her to get covid but part of me too is just i thought i'm gonna go in this building and i'm gonna get i'm gonna be very aggravated because it's gonna be like an american war film where it's all about them Mm -hmm. everything they did you know and i thought i'll go in that building and i'll come out going well what about the canadian angle Mm -hmm. I, i could be wrong because the you know the huge part we played in those wars i could be wrong because i didn't go in but that was part of my apprehension I thought I'm having a good time. I don't want to walk out of there and be all aggravated like it was some Audie Murphy movie. You know, like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a great reference, by the way. No, you know, it's yeah. funny. I'm I uh, not the most patient, but I uh, I'm very patient in those situations because I don't mind standing there looking around. I said that to Randy several times. I said, honey, I'm not going in. But you t- any I said, any time you want to stop and go, you just let me know. I'm happy to stand here. Part of it, too, was. 
you know, not feeling the best, it gave me a chance to kind of rest because you're doing a lot of walking. Yes. Um, and to her credit, she didn't leave me out there too long. But I, I just enjoyed, it's hard to describe. Like, I've been on Fifth Avenue in New York and I've been in, on Broadway in New York on a Saturday afternoon. But that street, the Champs Elysees, mm-hmm. that's quite the scene. It's hard to describe your look because on the, the one way you go, whatever direction that is, where you're heading downhill, you can really yes. see mm-hmm. <clears throat> tens and tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And it's just, wow. I found it fascinating. Well, that's, you know, the first time I went to London, that was one another takeaway for me because you think Toronto is a big world-class city, which it is on some level, but the degree of pedestrian... Like, you think Toronto can be crowded? It's nothing like that. The first time I went to London, we come up out of the subway. It was like, what? Just wide sidewalks full of bobbing heads. Like, yeah. I'd never seen anything like that in Toronto. Yeah, it would be like on Young Street if if you could imagine Young Street, where, where, the, where both sides of the street, including the cars in the, that, that area, it was all yeah. filled with people. Yeah. You know, sort of from St. Clair down to front. Mm-hmm. Um, let's also uh, not forget that we have, uh, and we can get back to uh, our travels as the week goes on, but it's also uh, Halloween tonight, which, uh, you know, I only acknowledge because I, I called the show Halloween Apples, which we've had this discussion for 40 years, you and I. But Lumby, who's from Saskatchewan, like me, I asked him about that. I said, you know, am I dreaming, Jeff, or did we grow up saying Halloween Apples? He's like, yeah, in Saskatoon, that's what they say too. Uh, the only, I guess that's a Saskatchewan thing because every time I brought it up with you, you were like, no, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I want to mention only because uh, we should talk about something else. I had no idea, and maybe you did, but I didn't, the amount of money that Canadians are spending on Halloween in this country is unbelievable. In fact, it's now gone uh, past, let me see. Halloween now, outs, we outspend, it's the second most, uh, biggest business holiday in Canada, second only to Christmas. On what? Canadians will spend $1.64 billion on Halloween this year, up 21% from last year, uh, still at $730 million short of what we spent in 2019 before the pandemic. You know what the first... What are, they, uh, what are they spending it on? Like costumes and candy? Like for, I, Yeah, costumes, parties? number one. Costumes, number one. Okay. The average costume costing 40, between 40 and $70. Candies, number two. Number three, pumpkins. These are the items we spend it on. Mm-hmm. Halloween supplanted Easter as the second biggest business holiday in Canada. I could see that. Here's what we spend on... Uh, on, on Christmas, though, the, this I don't again. I don't know if you'd be surprised by this number. The average Canadian is spending fifteen hundred dollars per household on Christmas, which is about they say seventeen times more than Halloween's. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see what happens this year with uh, you know the squeeze that's on everyone. It seems. Well, as I say, they've already we've already spent you know all this money. This is uh, these are. Mm-hmm. These are this year's uh, numbers, but I, I, I'm not. I don't. I haven't put out candy here since the first year I was here. But do you guys still do it? Well, we have some, but we get very few kids here. Um, you know, you have to have it in case they do come. 
Yeah. We're not to the point yet where I'm turning the lights off and sitting downstairs. I also told Lumby about your turkeys, and he oh, didn't. Yeah. He didn't think they were. He said, "I said, well, they were so big. How could they be domestic?" He goes, "No, no, no, because he's from that. He used to live mm-hmm. in, sort of in that area north of you, right?" And he said he used to see big wild turkeys on his property all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I told you there's a subdivision here that. Uh, well, it was an open field for years. The whole time I lived here, about a hundred acres, and. It's being developed that I'm just wondering, and they used to use it for cornfields and stuff, and I'm wondering if they lived there because of the seed, and it was a good habitat for them, and they've been forced out now. Uh, they were back last week. When I was in New Orleans, I got a warning, right? I'm a security camera. Come, Come on. on. They were right up. Oh, they were right up on my front porch. Right up. <laughs> they walked great. right up to the front door, and they were looking around and pecking on stuff. Yeah, wild. <laughs> That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if before we left. Did we did we put pictures up on, uh, on our Facebook? I can't yes. remember. We did. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I had some uh, animal visitors for the first time. I've lived here for six years and a couple of months. I came in the house yesterday, putting my stuff away. I don't know about you. Are you a uh, unpack right away guy? Because I am. I like to get it done right away. Uh, yeah, I th- I think I did it the first day. When I came back, yes. Like I do it, I, put, I get all my dirty clothes and whatever I need to separate. So I'm, I'm, but I was putting away some of the stuff from my computer bag, some ele- electronic stuff, and I heard this noise in the wall. And I was like, fuck, I've never heard that before. Just some scratching. And I thought, oh, shit, mm. something's gotten in there. And sure enough, I turn around and just over by my cupboard there, just as you come into the kitchen, I see a little mouse scurrying into the wall. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, and I said to Dan, I was talking to him, I'm like, okay, like, how do I start? Do I start with poison? Or what level of, do I have to call somebody? And his thought was we should put down some traps. But I go, I don't want mice, mouse corpses just laying about. But what are, what are the, what do I do? Never had them before. I've never had them here before. See, I don't, I'm heartless. When it comes to varmints, I, I'm heartless. I... You know, you got to have to watch Stan, obviously, but you can put the the stuff, what, what's it called, warfarin or whatever, where they eat it and they love it, and then it starts to burn their guts from yes. the inside out, and they go outside to get water. I've done that, that before. That doesn't fix the problem of where they're getting in. Trapping them, too, usually kills them as well, but then again, you, you have to deal with the corpse. And um, I use that stuff you're talking about in my places in, uh, in Oakville all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, you just put it around, mm-hmm. and uh, they have to go out and get water, and they die. I don't mm-hmm. care. I, I'm, listen, I'm, oh, not trying I to, I'm not trying to do it humanely. I just was sort of surprised because I've never had that in you know, over six years. I've never even seen one. Even up north, you know, the minks are back. Not so much a problem for me, but a couple of other people up there. And I'm a big advocate. My one buddy up there trapped one one day and sent me a video. He said, look what I trapped. What should I do with it? I said, kill it. Well, I can't do that. I said, well, that's great. You'll take it somewhere and it'll find its way back. It's uncanny the way they do it. I said, if that was me, I would just drop that trap right in off the end of the dock and come back an hour later. (laughs) (laughs) But the damage they can do. Yeah, man. Really? I got no problem. I've seen it. Dude, I've got no problem (laughs) killing the mice. I I just don't want my... Well, I'm going to get Stan after the show, so... Mm -hmm. Um, I'll see. Dan's going to be Dan Duran's going to be spending some time here, so I might put him in charge of the mouse project. Um, by the way, before because I know Dan's coming back with his news, and I, even though I love catching up, and I hope people are at least somewhat interested in this, but uh, we've got to get some. Uh, Who put the in the dog? 
We have to get some of these people that support us. We've got to get their message out, Fred. We can't uh, just, you know, ramble on about our trip. Well, and while we were away, of course, we were securely covered by the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan Travel Insurance. Oh, yes, we were. We don't have to worry about anything while we're away. Do we have the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business? Of course, this includes travel insurance, and it's uh, top girls, okay? It really is. You have the security of knowing when you're away, anything goes wrong, you will be looked after. No questions asked. Asked, uh, you know, it's very affordable. The whole program. Go to uh, chamberplan.ca today. Get a free quote. Uh, dental and uh, prescriptions. I mentioned the travel, obviously, and all sorts of uh, other products. Uh, HR component now. Mental health. All there. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote today. I'm uh, just sending you something now, uh, because a little bit later as the uh, show starts to wrap up, we're going to have another great opportunity to talk to some uh, fine people that are interacting with uh, Go Daddy, our guest today, Trevor Liu. And it's going to be interesting to talk about uh, how he is working as an entrepreneur and how it's only been helped by the fine folks at GoDaddy. So we'll do that. I just sent it to you as well. Let me just pause here because uh, I know you've already mentioned you've already mentioned this fine group, but uh, listen to this important message. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. I have a very nice man, Dana Ram. Uh, I, speaking of people that have supported us for a long time, the fine folks at Gig Sky, Ravi, Rudra, Rishi Maharaj, Jennifer. I miss you, Jennifer. Uh, but I'll tell you, I used that gig sky all over Paris. It was fantastic. You know, I had the hot spot with me. Randy, ex-wife Randy, loved it. But, you know, talking about peace of mind, like, man. Um, and it was great being, I was in touch with Rudrick. He, he could see that we were starting to get a little low on data and he, you know, topped us up. But if you're, listen, I just want to recommend it. If you're doing any kind of travel, I know we've said this for years, but I just lived it. And it is really, you know, there you are. We're on this bus hopping on and hopping off. <laughs> but I've got the Internet in my pocket everywhere. I mean, you know, we're trying to make it as reservation for dinner or trying to figure something out where we're going to go. And, yeah, I had a data plan, but uh, this was so much more convenient and so much cheap, so much cheaper. It's like 30 bucks for five gigs or some ridiculous oh, thing. It really was. So I do want to thank Rudy and everyone there at GigSky for... Uh, not only the years of support, but the last 10 days. And I, what I did is I topped it up. As I said, Rudy topped it up, and I, I made sure that Randy, who's now in Spain with her sister, uh, still has the uh, data plan going. So do you know what? Do yourself a favor. If you're going to do any kind of travel, it's 190 countries. Give you 100% all your data is there, and you know, it just makes so much sense. Uh, speaking of data, starting tomorrow, Netflix begins its... Uh, they have a thing it's called basic plus ads mm-hmm. for five ninety nine a month uh they will give you your Netflix, but it's five minutes an hour of ads 
I mean, you can circumvent that by paying more. Um, so you have that option. Like some of the other services, you know, if you buy the premium, you don't have to have the ad. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask you because mm-hmm. for the for the standard Netflix, I think it starts at nine ninety nine. But so I was going to say the, the one that I have, I think is fifteen bucks because you get to mm-hmm. share a couple of accounts. I'm my question to the two of you is who is going to get the five ninety nine option? Who is that for? Well, you know, the the big complaint now is people add up all their streaming services, and now you're up paying what you did almost for your cable bill. So people have really got to do some budgeting when it comes to their in-home entertainment. And I guess there's a lot of people that are going to go, you know, that's the option I will take because I have to reduce this bill. Um, I don't know if I would. <laughs> but Well, I mean, if you've watched any YouTube channels, I don't think I would either because mm-hmm. they, they, the, those, even though I've made my living, a lot of my living on commercials, it, it's just I've gotten used to not having commercials. But if you watch yep. YouTube, all of a sudden, the middle of you know a, a sentence, all of a sudden, they'll yeah. cut away to a commercial mm-hmm. break, which I'm wondering if Netflix is going to be a little bit more uh, professional about the whole deal or if it's just like, okay, it's time for a five-minute commercial break right now. <laughs> well, I was going to say that. I, I wonder how they're going to mm-hmm. figure it because you know, five minutes an hour isn't bad unless you've had no minutes an hour. I'll tell you, that's one thing I don't have that I was, it was bugging me too, Dan, the YouTube premium. Because, you know, if I'm watching a golf instruction video, I don't want to go away in the middle of it to an ad, which is by, and they're all the same ads over and over again. Yeah. Um, I, I find those ads not too bad because they tend to be short. But at the same time, I watch a lot of YouTube and, you know, you get the skip ads option and sometimes you don't. And I'm just wondering how that works with advertisers. Because sometimes it'll come up in the corner and, you know, the spot will be 15 seconds and you have to sit through all of it. Or it'll start and down in the right-hand corner, you'll see the skip ads option. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Um, I don't know how all that works. But see, I've never had a commercial-free YouTube situation, so I don't miss it, so to speak. Yeah, me neither. It'll be different when you're coming from not having it to having it. Uh, You know what they call that? They call that a great point. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know. It is a great point because I, I've, I'm the same with me. I watch a bunch of YouTube videos and I'm, I'm okay. Well, I'll put up with the ads because you can skip them pretty quickly. It's not, there's a few where they make you watch the entire 15 seconds, but I don't know if I am in the middle of uh, some Netflix show and, and as you say, Daddy, right in the middle of a sentence, they cut away. How they're going to figure out the five minutes is going to be interesting because is it going to be in be like you know say maybe your next episode just before your next episode starts they'll do a minute of advertising or is it an how do they figure it is it an hour of your viewing <clears throat> is it an hour episode you choose oh that might be interesting yeah if they if every if that would be irritating because i don't know how many times on netflix i go okay let's see how you know how long i can last on this show and then you say yeah no and then you go back and and then you go into it if they do front load every single episode mm-hmm. of whatever they you know for you got to watch a minute or something that would be really frustrating you know what they call that they call that a great point 
<laughs> the other thing, it's interesting. I think over time, the way they write commercials and put commercials on YouTube, for one thing, they're, they're now five to ten second spots where there never used to be, right? Because they, cause you know you can skip the ads. So the content in the first five or ten, they, like if you, they, they try and trap you or keep your interest through the commercial in some instances. I don't know what the technique is or how they figure that out. But the, ad, the way they write ads is a lot different than they used to be. Because they want to get the uh, the advertiser's name up front really fast. Mm-hmm. Oh. Something interesting along the lines of uh, advertising, too. Um, hockey this year. You know there's advertising on the boards. Oh, the virtual. Yeah, yeah. Tell them yeah, about yeah. that. The, the new virtual. See, I was surprised. I thought, oh, look at the new electronic boards they've put in at the... I, I, I honestly did. When I started watching hockey this year, I thought, oh, you know, they have the technology. The boards actually are electronic now, and they can change the advertising during the game. And then I'm thinking, but that'd be weird for the players. You're skating up the ice, and all of a sudden the boards are changing? That's got to be distracting. Of course, it didn't take me long to realize, oh, no, this is virtual. Because if the Leafs are playing in San Jose or whatever, the advertising on the boards is local. Right. And then if there's a different angle, you can see that there's local advertising on the boards that's static. But it's just any way, right, to create revenue now. It's just, it's un. So they have that technology to get that white stripe of boards, be able to fix it into the play by play, and then flip those advertising like every 30 (laughs) seconds. Imagine the revenue stream now coming from that. Well, it won't be long. Listen, I, I've told you this a few years ago, and I was watching an NFL game, and I was telling you how impressed I was. I, I, was, I hadn't seen one for a while. The graphics are amazing. But, you know, it was, and I know everyone knows this, but, the, you know, when they, when they show you the yard, the yard line, yeah, the 10-yard line or the first down, uh-huh. I, I, it's, that wasn't always there. I know it seems no. it's, always, it's been there a long time. I love that stuff. But they don't, yes. it's, it's funny. They don't do that on the NFL field where they like place a virtual ad, but I'm sure they're thinking of it. Mm-hmm. They do on the CFL, I know. They've started that. But hockey's really <laughs> adopted that. And now hockey uniforms, too. Like the Leafs up on the your right-hand shoulder now, there's an ad oh, yeah. on the front. And Leafs, uh, it's the Milk Marketing Board of Ontario. So it just says milk, and they're all allowed that now. But slowly but surely, you're going to see more and more advertising on sweaters, too. Um, before we get to Dan's news, speaking of hockey, I'm glad you reminded me because I had saw, I saw this clip. I don't know which one of the Sutters. I ho- God, I hope you haven't heard this clip. One of the Sutters, because there's 800 Sutter, Sutter brothers. <laughs> if you're from out west, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the guy that's still coaching the uh, Calgary Flames. Daryl, Daryl. Have you seen this? No. Okay. I hope it, I sound, listen, if it's, if this turns out to not be real, I apologize, but I've seen it in a bunch of different places. Apparently in a press conference after the game the other night, they asked uh, Daryl Sutter about a player and why did he leave the bench during the game? Uh, Huberto left the bench for a little bit in the first period. Are you able to say what it was? I think you'd go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's him. That's what he does. Yeah. Hang on. Listen to it again because his voice is so. He had to go take a shit. <laughs> Uberdo left the bench for a little bit in the first period. Are you able to say what it was? I think he'd go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that's somebody doing it. I don't. Uh, all I because know. Because he, he's known for his blunt answers at news conferences or post yeah. uh, newsers. Yeah. 
I was just so open that wasn't fake <laughs> because his voice is so good. Up the bench for a little bit in the first period. Are you able to say what it was? I think you had to go take a shit. I think you had to go take a shit. <laughs> Fucking love that. You know why, Dan? Because it's honest. It's from the heart. It's, it's, it's uh, authentic. It's, it's authentic. There you go. Uh, all right, it's, uh, it's been a few weeks. So. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lisa's place, live from Lisa's with the news, here's Dan Duran. This is why we hate pharmaceutical companies. Pfizer is making preparations to sell its COVID vaccine commercially as early as next year and predicts the price per dose will be around $110 to $130. Pfizer's U.S. president said that uh, there's a commercial rollout. It depends on when the existing U.S. supply runs out and when its federal government contracts expire. The U.S. government is set to end offering free vaccines soon. Uh, In the States, the People's Vaccine Alliance, a group that advocates for free access to COVID vaccines, called the price hike obscene and said experts estimate the cost per dose by Pfizer will be 100. I'm sorry, 100 cents. (laughs) $1.18 $1.18 to make a dose. And uh, hmm. the most the most recent contract the U.S. government has been paying uh, $30.50 per dose uh, to get people vaccinated down there. I'm sure so what's the point that, that the, the free program will be over and if you want it, you got to buy it? Is that the deal? I, well, the, the deal is whatever whenever it is over in the mm-hmm. States that they will be charging like a thousand percent more than it actually costs them to make 110 to 130 dollars mm. for, for something like that just it's astonishing now we're all four times i got two vaccinations and two boosties but is there another boost available now because i'm gonna go get it uh yes uh yesterday i i went to uh johnny slapshot had two games yesterday and i went to both and one an act and they had a big bus a go bus out front which was a uh, mobile clinic and we were talking to the woman there, and Delise said, "Are you offering the fifth shot now? Like it's different?" And the woman said, "It doesn't matter now. It's um, it's a it's a thing that protects you from from Omicron and the other one. It's the BioVail one, right? Yes. Yeah. So, she Danny, said, is, just, is is that available? Yeah, wait three months. Yeah. Yes. Wait three months after your last shot, or three yeah. months after you've had COVID, and it's available now. Oh, so I can't have it now for three months." Yeah, apparently. That's okay. the situation. Well, it's funny because uh, I think I was one of the conversations with COVID, Steve, that I think like we're once you've had it now, you've, you can't really get it again for a while. Mm-hmm. I wonder about that. I mean, I, I had the, the BioVail before I went a week and a half or so before I left her for Europe. I got it and got the, you know, got the virus anyway. But I'm wondering if the... Uh, if you've had it, you probably can't get the same one again, but I don't know with all the variants out there. Can you get a variant of this? The I don't know. That's a great, original? that's also, by the way, not only a great point, but a great question. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. I guess you, you could. And, and you know what bothers me about that, Dan, that sort of question that hangs like that 
is ammunition for all the anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And oh, yeah. it just bugs me. It's like, fuck, use your head. Figure it out. It's a moving target. They've done a great job staying in front of it for the most part. But those questions come up and it's like, you know, unless you have an answer just like that, clear and cut. Meanwhile, there's a sign right here down the street from me saying um, about immunizations for kid at the, kids at the schools here. And I forget the word they use, something like general immunizations available now. So I'm just thinking an anti-vaxxer is like, is that OK if it's for, you know. Some other thing other than COVID. So it's okay to get your kid vaccinated. It's just this COVID one because it's become so political that you don't want to get. Like, I've lost track of it all. Have you had the uh, either of you? Just get vaccinated. Yeah. Get vaccinated. Shut your face. Have you had uh, flu shots? Because I'm thinking of getting one before I go to Mexico. Oh, I would. Well, my doctor, I, I went, I had the pneumonia shot. And I got my shingle shot, the first of two shingle shots, and I said, should I get the flu shot? And he said, eh. And I said, why? And he said, well, that whole um, efficacy thing, like, you know, he said it's a crapshoot. Okay. I forget the percentage he used. So he said, get- yeah, go ahead and get it. He said, but <laughs> just, it's, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to, it's necessary. So you got shingle, well, so, hang on, yeah. did you get shingle shot power? A shingle shot, shingle shot power. Listen, I don't Sorry, want that Dan. shit. No, I've had it. No. It's no good. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say that. It, it, uh, you know, I, I, of course, it's their best guess of what what dominant mm-hmm. flu strain is going to be. Yes. I'm going to get it. I don't care. It's like mm-hmm. you know. Okay, well, you yeah. know, at least I'm protected from some. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had and it last you know, year. Yeah, you might just uh, <laughs> luck out and get the that's, one that. Uh, yeah. Well, that's I mean, going to be quite a. I've got to go to my doctor and go. Okay, I want pneumonia, shingle shot, and uh, another <laughs> vaccine. Can I have a trio, please? Uh, Dan Duran, uh, let's just go to our second story, if there is one. Dan Duran News and Views today, uh, brought to you by Dan Duran. You can't have a license plate that says fuck you anymore in Maine. Mm. Now, most places have rules about vanity plates, but not Maine. And as you would guess, it's, you'd see on the road many vulgar plates for all of us to enjoy. And now Maine has had enough. So according to Associated Press, the state has begun issuing recall notices to those obscene or offensive plates. So the new rules are in effect, and they figure that about 400 plates will be uh, decommissioned soon. And I just thought I'd bring a, a few of those plates to light. So so here we go with uh, So Moist, Horny, Fartin, Mm. I Tooted, You Are a Dick, and then things get uh, stronger, Rat Bastard, Crazy Bitch, (laughs) I Eat Pussy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm Fucking Late, Kiss My Ass, Fucking Right, Get Fucked, Fuck your butt. There's lots of fucks. All right, Dan. Gee, come on. they, they, They allowed that for a while? Yep. Uh, oh, one nut and uh, Fred's favorite, D's nuts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right out of the gate here in Ontario, they didn't allow that. I mean, some slipped through the cracks, but Jesus, they allowed that for some time. I think slip through the crack was uh, your vanity plate for some time, <laughs> yeah. yes. Slip, S-L-P-T-R-C-K or some shit. And that, some of those right. are a lot of... Um, numbers or letters like well i'm i'm reading what they say but you know there's you know oh right there fucking lady is i am fkn l8 right no no yeah yeah so anyway 
I, uh, we're done now, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, this is just that a nice pause. It's a big, just a big pause in the show. You know, I'm a bit tired. We're comfortable uh, with that. How uh, it's funny because I, uh, like I said, because of the COVID, I usually when I've come back from, and it's been a couple years in a row that I've done the going from east to west jet lag thing. That I've sort of, you know, you're five hours behind and theoretically wake up in the middle of the night. But I, uh, I was, again, I had a really good sleep. They just fell back in France yesterday. So their fallback is a week ahead of ours. Oh, okay. uh, so we go back to whatever. Is it Eastern Daylight Time we're going back to? Or whatever the, we do in the fall. We're falling back. Standard next, time. Standard time. So we did that. They did that in France Saturday night into Sunday morning. And uh, we'll do it next week. But I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a nap this afternoon. Do you guys find it harder to go that way to overseas? Did you find it, Danny? You said you were tired, or do you find it easier coming this way? Uh, I find it harder both ways. I, I, I couldn't sleep either way, and I, I don't even know anymore. I used to find it harder coming this way. Yeah, getting, I always you do. know an hour, an hour a, a day. You, they said that you take, you know, you can. An hour a day per time zone. So, yeah, it's if, you're, yeah. if you're sick, if you've gone six hours, it takes you six full days to sort of get your back, your rhythm back. But at this time of the year when it was dark last night, that's what it really is. It's your circadian rhythm. The light helps you uh, go to sleep. Yeah. But see, that's tough for me because I have absolutely no rhythm at all. Howard, you know that. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you have no rhythm circadian or others. <laughs> oh, that's funny. See what that is, Dan? That's funny. That's a, that's a funny one. That's a good point. Uh, I feel, we, you know, we're a little worried about our Dan because uh, I've known you a long time, longer than uh, even Lumby. I've known you for, uh, since I was 18, so what is that, 4,000 years? I've yeah. never, and Freddie, you can attest, never heard Dan ever mention having trouble sleeping. But Dan, you have to take into consideration you're very old. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens. That's when what you happens to you old people. Oh, man. I don't know. This is back. The dreams I've been having have been astonishingly stupid. I mean, I just, I, 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 they're tedious after a while. I just I wake up because I can't stand it anymore. That's interesting because you mentioned that. Now, I always have sort of weird, inexplicable dreams. and But this isn't the norm for you. No. And give us an example of one, like... Last night I was on somebody's roof, and they had repaired their roof with MDF, you know, like some stupid material, and there's a whole section of it, and the the inspector had said that was okay, and I'm I'm up on the roof, like, saying no, but I was on the roof for the whole friggin' dream, trying to figure out what, you know... Hey, do you want me to fix this and talk to somebody? <laughs> You're funny. You know, this is going to leak, you know, and it's like. <laughs> My version then, of that dream is I'd be up on the roof going, A, what am I doing up on the roof? And B, why don't we call somebody? But, but Dan, you're in a bit of a project right now. I know where that comes from. You've been away, and you got to get back to the project, so you're sleeping, and yeah, your mind goes mm-hmm. there. That could yeah. be. Yeah. You know, with Fred and I, all it is is trains going through. I make those correlations through. all the time. My dreams are sort of based on something that's been... Daytime anxiety, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But most of our dreams, Dan, are trains going into tunnels, you know, hot dogs going through donuts, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I call it my my favorite time. There seems the time I dream the most is when I have a goes back to. Do you know it goes back to? Is, is that's when you wake up no. in the middle of the night, toss and turn a little bit, and then you goes back to sleep. Yeah, I love the goes back to 
so much. That's when I can. That's those are the ones I really remember. Where the the last couple of hours of of dr- whatever that dreaming is in that point, mm-hmm. the Gazbaktas are the best. So like you you go back to the same dream as no mean? no just, just go goes back, back to sleep. To sleep. Oh, I don't. I I'll tell you the truth. I don't really remember my dreams except for the Gazbaktas ones. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's true. Um, sometimes I'll wake up and think I was just having a pretty good dream, and I can't remember what it was, but it was good. Yeah, maybe because I have a boner. (laughs) 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 Okay, Uh, can we just pause now because we're about to admit uh, somebody from GoDaddy? Can you put your little juvenile boner talk aside? (laughs) It's got rhythm going on there. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. Well, just uh, listen. Hang on, everybody. We're going to just uh, take a second here. And before we wrap up the show for this Monday, and thanks very much for tuning in or downloading the podcast and supporting our sponsors and just being part of the uh, big. Well, I guess we're now into year 12 of doing this. And Dan will be uh, hanging around here while we. Uh, Make sure Trevor's there. Trevor, can you uh, hear us okay? Let's make sure. Trevor Liu is, uh, Trevor Louis is uh, standing by. Trevor, are you there? There he is. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I must be dyslexic. I've been saying, so it's Louis, Trevor Louis. It's been happening for 49 years, so we're good. Listen, man. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Let me just uh, see if I can set the table, as they say. Trevor uh, left his corporate job to fulfill his entrepreneurial dream of creating unique experiences. He's helped co-create and develop some of Toronto's foremost food brands. His agency, the High Bell Group, curates uniquely immersive culinary events that push the boundaries of innovation, coupled with growing list of clients that seek their services for branded video content. It is uh, quite impressive, and he has uh, recently become a mentor and spokesperson for Empower by GoDaddy in Canada. All by way of saying welcome to our program, young man. Good to see you. Thank you. Did you say young man? Made me feel Dude, so good. The three of us here, the three old fellas here, we are. Compared to us? Yeah, we're 240 years old plus. Just, yeah, well, I'm, I'm older than your producer. I'll put it that way. How about that? Yeah, well, he's a piece of punk. Uh, here's the here's the cool thing, though. If you're lucky, you'll get to this age. Uh, listen, man. Uh, so High Bell is High Bell Group is the agency, and, and GoDaddy and High Bell. Uh, that's kind of how we're the, that's where the link comes in. Tell us, well, you know, before we get to that, though, I mean, I'm fascinated by what exactly you guys are doing at High Bell. How are, we talk about curating unique experiences for us. Uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a restaurant guy by trade. I grew up in a, you know, in the seventies in Rexdale. My dad had a, had a restaurant and he named it High Bell. Um, and you know, to make a, a quick, you know, story unique, my dad was an immigrant kid that came here in the sixties. Uh, he was, uh, he played in, uh, he played drums in a cover band in Hong Kong and was an extra on the movie set with Bruce Lee and stuff. Mm. Pretty cool stuff. But ended up in Toronto, opened a restaurant because our family was uh, restaurant guys and didn't know what to name his restaurant. But he wanted to name it after this bar he worked at, worked in in Hong Kong called Highball. You know, the glass, like the drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he went to go register the name and it was already taken. So in, in 
in unique <laughs> and traditional immigrant fashion, he dropped the A and just added an E. <laughs> why not? Uh, so why not? So that was the restaurant I grew up in. So when I went off in 2018 to open my own agency after leaving leaving corporate for 24 years, I wanted to name the restaurant after my father and the family as a tribute to them. So it's a it's it's always an interesting thing. I say, what the hell is your name all about? But our agency is a collective of uh, you know small businesses that make one agency. It's all around hospitality and food. We have a few restaurant brands. Um, over COVID, we learned a lot that uh, we had to produce events like this. Yeah. So we created a lot of, we, we took live events where we were creating cooking academies and cooking lessons and unique events at co- conferences and conventions and, and dining uh, experiences to doing this online. Now we're moving back to live finally again. So it is partnering with GoDaddy, who is all about, you know, I've been an account for a while. Um, having that access to, to being online is imperative. And I really learned that at a, at a later age, how, how important that was. So you've been very successful. And again, everybody had to deal with, you know, COVID and all the challenges that brought. Why, why have you been so successful through this? Um, I always want to preface the word success with the amount of failures um, okay. I've had as an entrepreneur. Um, and, and I think, I think that's a lot of times we don't, we don't see that optically from the outside looking in. We always see, especially with social media today, right? We never post our failures that much. We post our successes. <laughs> um, I've had just as much uh, failures with brands and keeping staff and making money as much as everyone else. Um, I think, Coming out of corporate as an executive in 2018, uh, I had already had an entrepreneurial spirit for a few years investing in a couple of restaurant brands, and I thought it was time to go off my own. And so when we started the agency in 2018, things were going quite well. And then um, mm-hmm. March 2020 hit, and we lost everything. Mm-hmm. So um, part of that was it was a humbling experience because, number one, the hospitality industry probably needed a, a big kick in the, its own butt. Like a reset of kind, yeah. Yeah, we, we, really, we really needed to call ourselves out for the things that we were not good at we're still trying to fix those but at the same time um, when you build your own business you sometimes get caught up in the fact that you think you're doing shit really great and Mm -hmm. cope a pandemic will humble you really quickly and it really taught me to rebuild the business in a different way yeah i I don't know if anyone can hear that there was just like a surge and i I don't know if it came from your side or not but it's it's fine we heard what you said you know and you've covered something about leaving the corporate world becoming an entrepreneur everyone fantasizes about it but uh you know you've teamed up with GoDaddy, and GoDaddy really is all about helping people you know get started and you've, you've started something with something called futurepreneur as a mentor and spokesman for empower by GoDaddy in canada so tell us a little bit about that trevor if you can and and what empower program does for aspiring entrepreneurs like yourself I think one of the biggest things moving into entrepreneurship is understanding the different values and different things you need and assets. Having that online presence is really important. Futurepreneur and GoDaddy have created this amazing program called Empower by GoDaddy, which provides tools uh, and curated classes to teach new entrepreneurs all the things that they need, everything from website building to e-commerce and brand development and things around data to help your business, particularly in 2022. Started in 2017, uh, to this date, they've helped over 700 Canadian entrepreneurs. Um, And 
Here's another aspect, you know, one of our one of our sub agencies, Quell, we work a lot on um, communities that traditionally ha- are underrepresented and have not had traditional access to a lot of tools. This this empower program is really focused on helping diverse communities and going in and providing access to communities that have in past struggled with getting access to tools like this to help a small business. So how do you get involved? If uh, somebody's listening, they have a small business, they want to be part of this. Um, what are the steps? First of all, there's no cost to it. It's absolutely free. And there's like, there's no cap. So it's not like if a thousand people sign up, no one else is on because it's all webinars. I think ne- the next webinar is uh, uh, November 2nd. You can go onto the website, which is futurepreneur.ca. And all you have to do is sign up. I think there's a couple of questions you got to qualify for, uh, but pretty much sign up. And then it's a 10 course program that you can go on and there's mentorship program aligned with it as well. And these tools are really, you know, it's, it's tough to navigate these days as a small business. Forget about being, uh, you know, pre-COVID, like post-COVID is in some aspects much harder than it was during COVID. So this helps, this helps business people a lot. You know, Fred and I have uh, now, this is us, we've, we've just recently begun our 12th year of having this little small business and doing this podcast. And, you know, we're often asked, you know, is what's the secret to it? And, you know, one of the things we always tell aspiring broadcasters is just, you know, get started doing it and see, you know, keep doing it long enough until, you know, you sort of figure it out. But I, I mean, would, do you have any advice as we say so long for aspiring entrepreneurs? I mean, besides getting involved with GoDaddy, which I think is a great step for people. And we've been talking about this for the last couple of months, but anything from your perspective, Trev? I think there's a couple of perspectives. You know, I, I took my leap of faith at the age of 45. Um, if I could tell anyone if they're planning on this is to jump deep dive quicker when their heart tells them it's time to go. Um, the other thing is you have to be prepared for failure. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have navigated. I've been listening to you guys since a long time. Let's, let's just not say. Oh, we're very comfortable. Is, Trevor, we're very comfortable with failure. Trust me. <laughs> but I, listen, that wasn't the point. The point is that you guys have been around a long time and you're still here today. A lot, a lot of people can't say that, which means you have been able to navigate through success and failure. Um, you cannot be afraid of failure uh, because the one thing you're going to be when you become an entrepreneur is all those departments that you are used to when you're working in corporate. They're not there anymore. <laughs> That's, That's right. you. So yeah, we're yeah. the accountants, we're the market. We're the shippers, we're the developers, we're everything. All right. right? So having yeah. tools like this is going to help you. Right. Yeah, just give me that oh, website again point. for futurepreneurs. Of course, everyone knows listening to us, godaddy.ca is where you go, 24-7 support. You can even start your website for free right now. But Trevor, what's that site you've been talking about? We're talking about futurepreneur.ca slash online business. Real pleasure to spend some time with you today. Hope you enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. Okay, my friend. Take care. Just let yourself out. Did you guys not hear that surge a couple of times, or was that just on my end? No, no, I heard it. It okay. was like Halloween. Like, right? <laughs> it's yeah, right. Like a monster. I don't know what that was. Uh, Trevor, take care. Thanks yeah, a lot. I, I love what Trevor had to say about, you know, the the best time to follow. You know, a lot of people delay following their dreams. He didn't do it till he was 45, which is amazing to me. I mean, that takes some big courage. But a lot of people listening, it's like they put it off and they put it off. And sometimes they never do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like... Uh, I know they talk about the best time to start something is, you know, 20 years ago. The next best time is today. <laughs> yeah. All right, kid. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate right. it. Take care.
years away. Uh, tomorrow, oh, no, you still have to tell us a little bit about the retirement Sherpa. And I have, you know, tell us your thing. And I've got a little Sherpa news for you after. Okay, let me just mention this. Keith Weiland sent this, and I'll, I mentioned it today because it's Halloween. Keith Weiland, it's a poster. And it says, live to air Saturday, October 31st, 1992, which is only 30 years ago, at the factory, hosted by Humble and Fred and all the CFNY personalities. Then at midnight, the lights go out for North America's first glow rave. And then it goes on to explain. So I'm looking at it now. I don't remember this at all. Either do I. No, maybe we got out of it. Well, when it says hosted by Humble and Friend, then it, I'm, as soon as you said then at midnight, you'll be like, that's three hours after we left. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I have no, no recollection of that whatsoever. I, you know what? Thanks, Keith, because I, I just looked at it now on my phone. I uh, don't recall it at all. Wow. That's crazy, dude. Uh, let's well, talk. About, yes, tell me about the retirement Sherpa. The retirement Sherpa, uh, Tim Niblett, a uh, portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim, again, we remind you, licensed on both sides of the border. And as we know, we have people uh, that uh, listen to this podcast on both sides of the border. So it will work for you. Hey, listen, his track record is amazing. Uh, so many Humble and Fred listeners have come on over to the uh, Sherpa side and done well, and they feel good under uh, the Sherpa's security and his knowledge and his level-headed demeanor. It's the way to go if you're looking uh, to invest. Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. And I had a uh, text conversation with uh, Sherps this morning. He's on his way to someplace called Punta Mita, Mexico, as part of the Executive Council. Ooh. With Raymond James, and he said, and he says, and I quote, partially thanks to you and Fred and the awesome listeners. He has uh, been even more successful inside the Raymond James organization, and now he's on the executive council, as he should be. Uh, also reporting that his, uh, uh, you know, his pacemaker stuff going on with his, uh, he seems to be feeling good, and he's got some new medication, and so hopefully the Sherps is on his way to, uh, you know, even more good health for many, many years to come. Okay, so uh, let me look and see. Tomorrow we're doing another show again. Look at that. Bill Brio joins us. Always good catching up with Bill. Bill will have something to say about that uh, Netflix stuff and some more uh, mm-hmm. viewing for the fall now that uh, it's officially here. And then uh, our buddy Stu Stone who uh, told that great, well, it's great, but weird story about having all his movie equipment stolen in Winnipeg when he was shooting this movie that's coming out now called Van, Van, Ad, Van Addicts. And I've looked, I've seen the, the uh, trailer, and it's really, really good. And I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you, Tim, we're looking forward to talking to him on, on Wednesday. And I know that, you know, originally Stu Stone came into all of our lives here on the show years ago when he had done that rap song with Jamie Kennedy and Bob Saget called Rollin' with Saget. And I, uh, on the plane yesterday, when there was no entertainment, I, one of the podcasts I listened to, it was one of the longest ones that Marin has done. Mm-hmm. It was an hour and 45 of all the appearances that Saget has done on his show over the years. And it was, you know, I mentioned I rarely will laugh out loud by myself at something on TV and or an audio piece. But man, there was a few times that Bob Saget made me laugh. He's so, it was so dirty. 
<laughs> it's just, and he made, and that's what Marin said as the as way of in, as way of introducing the three episodes. He said, uh, "I really love Bob Saget, and very few people has have made me laugh like Bob Saget did to him." And I can see, yeah, really, really good. If you haven't heard it, go and check it out. And uh, made me think of Stu Stone being on the show on uh, Wednesday. All right, boys, uh, we got everything in. I think we did. Mm-hmm. All right, right Dan. Nice to be back and. Yeah, we're on for a long run now, and that's the truth. Well, we've been on a bit. Was like, that was really only we took four days off since uh, you know Labor Day or whatever. I mean, we're we're old men. We can't work all the time. What are you making that face? Is we taking more time off? I forgot. More time off. Oh, we did. Labor Day. And this <laughs> did we? To be honest. Okay, I don't remember. <laughs> Well, we're in for a long run. Three straight weeks. Anymore. Keep saying it and people will believe it. <laughs> All right, here's Dan. Dan, say goodbye. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. You can email us, Humble and Fred, at humbleandfredradio.com. And on whatever platform you're listening, help us out liking, subscribing, giving us all the stars, tell all your friends. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember for Halloween, sign up for my evil laugh library. <laughs> we turn our clocks back next weekend, so enjoy every goddamn saving time day. 